Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Today, the victory is for the victims of Anas. The people, the good people of this country that Anas has destroyed. All those people who were sacked from their jobs. The people who have died through Anas illegal investigation should be compensated. Compensation is not enough. He has to apologize to his victims. High Court judge throws out 25 million CD defamation suits brought against Kennedy Ejepon, the MP for Asin Central by investigative journalist Anas Arimiao Anas. The judge had more uncharitable words for the ace journalist. We'll be sharing more with you here. On Eyewitness News, also Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia announces that consumers of petroleum products would be expecting or should be expecting a further decrease in the prices of fuel at the pumps and he puts the credit before the gold for oil policy. And later on Eyewitness News, Far gets KTR Market in central Kumasi as smoke bellows as though it's an inferno from hell. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on eyewitness news and in business inflation drops again marginally to 52.8 percent for february 2023 that's in 15 minutes from the business desk of ctfm and city tv with michael obodu eyewitness news is live across ghana on a number of affiliate stations it does not matter where you are in the country you get to listen to us um indeed across ghana as i traveled on the heritage caravan i could listen to ctfm on so many stations including adrianpa 100.7 fm in takwa sky power 93.5 fm in takradi beach 105.5 fm also in takradi in the bono region eyewitness news is live on greener 95.9 fm in sunyani in the ashanti region on focus 94.3 fm on the campus of knust Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, Eyewitness News is airborne on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajabu. On VOV Radio 95.7 FM in Hokwai. In the Northern region, on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM. Upper East Quality 88.7 FM in Garu. And Upper West, Tungsung 97.3 FM in Wa and Jirapa 96.1. FM Eyewitness News is also live on Facebook. You are watching us now live via Facebook feed. We are also on YouTube. On DSTV, we are broadcasting live. And on City Newsroom, we are coming to you from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu here with Eno Safo. Let's know what you make of the stories we are bringing you. On WhatsApp, the number is 0549986996. Send tweets using the hashtag city newsroom let's settle for details of our stories now lots of cases are in the courts but not all these cases get the media attention one though that is getting the media attention is uh, the one involving 
investigative journalist Anas Arimiao Anas and Kennedy Ejepong, a media owner, a member of parliament, an MPP presidential or flag bearer aspirant. What exactly happened in court? Anas Arimiao Anas had gone to court alleging that he was defamed by the member of parliament. Today, the court threw out that defamation case, awarded cost against him uh, to the tune of 50,000 cities. Let's get details now through um, Hansen Ajiman, who has been following that story and joins me in studio. Now, Hansen, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What's the background to the story? So, we know that uh, Anas Armiyaonas uh, came out with his uh, investigative piece, uh, number 11. Number 12. Uh, number 12 mm -hmm. in the investigative piece, which particularly <coughs> dealt with corruption in the football uh, sector, uh, where a number of uh, referees and football administrators which led to the suspension of the uh, football administration in Ghana at some point in time and also to a large extent uh, banning all former GFA uh, chairman Kwesi Nyantechi mm -hmm. from footballing activities for a number of, 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 of years. Mm -hmm. Now, there were mixed reactions to, the, to this particular work by, by Anas Army Anas. Then... Uh, the MP for Ascent Central Kennedy Ohine Japan, he was one of the many who thought that the methods being used by Anas Army Anas were not uh, one that was of in good nature and uh, its intentions accurate. And so he then came out with his own documentary, which is Who Watches the Watchman, which is screened at his um, media space in uh, which is at, at Medina. Now, in Who Watches the Watchman, what Kennedy Ohine Japan eventually does is that he showed videos indicating that Anas was in this particular video uh, striking deals with certain persons he had caught in some work that he had done. And as a result, the video then uh, tagged Anas as a blackmailer somebody who essentially goes out there to film people and then use that same video to blackmail them. In essence, if you do not do this, then I will screen the video. Anas Army Anas and his lawyers indicated that this was not a representation of the truth and thought that it was defamatory in nature and that it defamed him. So in 2018, specifically, uh, in 18th June 2018, then Anas Armianas filed this suit against uh, Kennedy Ohine Japan. So he went to tell the court to say that what Ken said was not true and he defamed his person. Yes. And he also asked for damages. Yes. He to had the tune of 25 million. 25 million. That's what he wanted the court to say. That's what he wanted so the court to say. So since 2018 today, the court has been working on that case. Yes. And today, a determination has been made. Yes. Who is, who is the judge? Now, so the judge who gave the judgment today is Justice Eric Chaiba for. Mm. Uh, so he gave the judgment. So what did he the, say in, in, in delivering the judgment? So he, essentially, the judge, in, in determining the matter, looked at about five issues. Mm -hmm. The first issue was whether or not the word by the plaintiff in their natural meaning meant what the plaintiff claimed. That is, whether or not the words that were spoken by Kennedy Japan were defamatory in nature. And then the second was whether or not the words published are defamatory to the plaintiff himself, that is, Anas Aramiya Anas, and whether the 
comments were fair comment for public discourse and whether they are justified to cause the publication of those words and whether or not they are liable to libel. So on the first issue, which is whether or not the words were defamatory in nature, the judge, the, 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 the judge came to a conclusion that the plaintiff was able to prove that the words published were defamatory in nature. Now, then he moved on to the next issue, which essentially has to do with whether or not the word spoken defames the plaintiff. Now, this is where the judge makes an analysis of the evidence before him. Basically, four pieces of evidence. Now, two of them relates to a good, uh, an alleged good uh, scam mm -hmm. that Anas Aramea Anas investigated as far back as 2009. And if a lot of people will remember the who watches the Watchman video, beginning of that video, there was a man, Hafiz, who had granted an interview to Oman FM and Oman TV, and he had alleged that Anas Aramea Anas took some amount of money from him, but did not, re uh, in order not to screen a certain investigation he has done against him with respect to a good scam that he was involved in, about $1.9 million involved in that particular scam. So the first analysis that was done by the court to determine whether or not the words that were used against the plaintiff defamed the plaintiff was to look at the, 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 the issues that were contained in that particular footage. Now, the judge noted that in that particular footage, he, uh, there, were, there were some confessions from Anas Armia Anas. And again, because during the proceedings, even though at some point in time, in the, in the words of the judge, the, at some point, the, the lawyer of Anas accepted that the person in the video was Anas Armia Anas. And at some point, he didn't accept that it was Anas Armia Anas. Kennedy Ohine Japan did not at any point in time deny that the person he was referring to was Anas Armia Anas. So on that basis, the judge continued his analysis and said, if you look at that in that particular video, the said person who is alleged to have led negotiations to get these some persons, Hafiz and his crew, who were caught in the gold scam from not facing the, the route of the of, of the law was Anas Armianas and there were there was a part of the video where he is he's alleged to have admitted to a CID officer of having been bought by certain amount of money. And so by that confession in, in, in that particular video, the judge believes that then the words spoken of Anas Armianas are true. So portions of the words as we captured when the judge was reading the judgment said, a voluntary confession is admissible against the maker. The confession statement relieves the defendants of the onus of the proof beyond him. From the video caption, I was left with no option but to say that the strategy of the plaintiff and the prosecutor led to the termination of the trial. From the above, I hope that I hold that the plaintiff is a blackmailer who uses blackmail to extort money from his opponent and people he does not like. What the plaintiff is doing is not investigative journalism, but investigative terrorism. 
whereas the words spoken on exhibit QA1 to QOA4 are factual and capable of defamation, the plaintiff could not prove same. I find the plaintiff's case meritless and dismiss same. Okay, so the first issue on whether or not the words in the way they are are defamatory, the judge said yes, yes. they were. But the second part, whether they defame the person of Anas Arimi Anas, the plaintiff, the judge thinks no. No, because in the judge's analysis, these were true in nature because of some confessions he's, he's alleged to have made in, in the video that was given to the court so, as evidence. So what the judge said, was that a reiteration of what Kenny Japan said or this new you know, description he's using on the, on the, on the plaintiff Anas Arimi Anas? So if you look at um, the... Um, allegations that the and and in the descriptions of of of, of the judge, defendant who identifies himself as an anti-corruption campaigner, came across information that the modus operandi of plaintiff include blackmailing individuals. Where spoken of the in, of the plaintiff are factual and aimed at expo- exposing the plaintiff to Ghanaians. And since the words are true they could not have damaged the reputation of the plaintiff. The words spoken of the plaintiff are true and factual and fair and, fair and therefore justified. I, I remember my media law lecturer, um, Bakajian, just saying that truth is a defense when it comes to a case of defamation. So that is essentially what the judge is saying there. What are the third and fourth issues? He said that he broke the things and it to fall. Yes, so then the other issue has to do with the analysis on the second tape. Now, this second tape is what the judge describes as um, a tape that was, uh, it should announce Armianas in preparations for another investigative piece. Mm-hmm. And in that preparations, the aim was to uh, look at uh, investigating the president of Ghana and the prime minister of Ivory Coast. And so in that particular video, per the analysis of the judge the judge is saying that even though the president and the prime minister are people that can be investigative can be investigated have a preempting unjustified attack on their credibility unprovoked by any credible suspicion of a specific act of corruption engaged or about to be engaged in by them by them such drawing them into a trap contrived as corruption setup as alleged by defend by the defendant and backed by the tape was unwarranted and devious. If the plaintiff is being sponsored so on on, 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 on this issue about investigative the president of Ghana and then Prime Minister of Ivory Coast, if the plaintiff is being sponsored by internal or external entities, who who are they? What are their motives and their objectives? Does it include tarnishing the images of presidents and prime ministers in the sub-region? If the sources are external sources, would they approve of the modus operandi of the plaintiff? Can a journalist from CNN or BBC, out of nothing, lay trap to implicate the president of America or prime minister of Britain for purposes of grabbing headlines and instilling unwarranted fear in the public? Have they ever thought of sending plaintiffs to their countries to use same method in catching people in racist acts, which is a social canker, plaguing those in all an, in all honesty, the plot by plaintiff and his group in expert KOA4 has nothing to do with journalism. It was a scheme for grabbing power 
by the back door and satisfying plaintiffs in sashable chase for power, publicity, fame, awards, and rewards. Since the president is an embodiment of the soul of the nation, any unwarranted plot out of nothing to entrap him, to destroy his reputation and undermine his authority is reproachable. The attacks on plaintiffs by defendant on that ground deserve commendation and condemnation. I hold in respect of KOA3 and KOA4 that any statement based on them are justified and pass the test of fair comment. The court finds and establishes the defense of justification of fair comment in relation to the statement of defendant based on exhibit based on exhibits KOA1, KOA2, KOA3, KOA4 as both statements are justified and they could not have actually defamed the plaintiff. The facts and evidence establish the plaintiff as a self-confessed criminal, so defendant's statement is factual and justified. The allegation land-grabbing could equally not succeed. The defendant referred to the court to a, the defendant referred the court to a case at the Supreme Court against the High Court, which overturned a judgment in favor of plaintiff as a decision relied on the High Court had been already set aside by the Court of Appeal. The statement of defendant was that factual and and therefore could not have defamed plaintiff. So so the judge and this is Justice Che Bafo is saying that we should celebrate Kennedy J. Pong for what he said against Anas Arimi or Anas because Anas's intent, according to what the judge has found, was not right and um, he was targeting the president of the republic. And so it's almost like Kennedy Japan has saved the country. This is exactly, and this is one part of it as well. He said, The modus operandi of the plaintiff is known to be named. And so let, let, let's be sure. So, because this allegation, plaintiff here is Anas Aramiyao. Yes, so the modus operandi of Anas is the modus operandi of Anas Aramiyao is known to be named shame. Mm -hmm. The money involved is $1.9 million, probably the largest quantum involved in cases investigated by Anas Armianas. Mm -hmm. Such a case should have taken over the airways, but the airways were kept quiet, and the plaintiff kept the tape under wraps on the mute and on mute since 2009, while the plaintiff continued to, sh to show tapes since then. Then he went on to touch on the Hafiz, um, the gold the, issue. The, the, the gold issue, and said Hafiz decided the reason he disclosed the tape just as the plaintiff does. We're showing the other tapes. Is that this guy is not correct? He is not a correct human being. He goes to record record videos and edits them like movies produces them. This is what he does. And so the judge goes ahead to speak on. The essence, in his view, the essence of uh, Kennedy Japan coming out with some of these videos, which he thinks that if Kennedy Japan had not screened them, then the Ghanaian populace would not have gotten the benefit the benefit of them. I see. Thank you so much. Uh, that's um, Hansen Ajiman of the City Newsroom. He's uh, and, and I think I've just been corrected that the judge is Justice um, Eric Ba, not uh, Che Bafo. So Justice Eric Ba. That, that's the correction that has just come through. So let's listen now to what Kennedy um, Ohini Ejepong, MP for Asin Central, said to journalists when he emerged out of that court victorious against Anas Arimi Anas. The victims is for the victims of Anas. 
the people, the good people of this country that Hamas has destroyed. All those people who were sacked from their jobs, the people who have died through Hamas illegal investigation should be compensated. Compensation is not enough. He has to apologize to his victims. And today, I say to Ghanaians that we have to be bold to speak the truth in this country. A criminal like Hamas, who goes out there to defame people to enrich himself. It is only this country that a journalist will cover his face to go and give witness. When three, a whole Supreme Court judges are sitting there, and three young men have covered their face, testifying against their own colleague judges. One Supreme Court judge for my constituency, before he died, confided in me that his guilt, anytime he sees the judges, he asks himself, how could he have made that mistake? That three people covered their face and he didn't even know who was an ass. And stop, convicted his colleagues, judges. What they have come through, a nurse's humiliation in this country. Nobody, no citizen of this country should go through like that. I tell you today, the 50,000, I don't need it. I give it to him, but he should live with his conscience. And with this judgment, God is also going to keep his judgment. That's a scene central member of parliament, Kennedy. A Japan and NPP flag bearer aspirant um, speaking in reaction to a decision by the court to rule in his favor. Uh, there was a petition or a suit that was brought against um, Kennedy Poon by investigative journalist Anas Arimiao Anas. A defamation suit that is uh, the court did not hold for Anas Arimiao Anas. And you've heard Kennedy Poon now. Anas 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 Anas's company Tiger IPI. Has issued a statement uh, in reaction to this. Let me just read that for you. And it says, Today, Wednesday, 15 March 2023, a high court presided over by Eric Banjie dismissed a defamation action filed by Anas Arimi Anas of Tiger IPI in 2018 against Kennedy Japan MP. The entire judgment was read in open court. The court established that Mr. Japan indeed defamed Anas, but in a bizarre twist, concluded that the so called documentary, Who Watches the Watchman? was an absolute justification, thereby absolving Mr. Japon of any liability. We find the decision of the court an unfortunate travesty of justice and very inimical to the administration of justice and fairness. If for nothing at all, Mr. Japon made an allegation of murder against Mr. Anas. There is absolutely nothing contained in the said documentary which alludes to the commission of murder on an allegation of the commission of murder by Mr. Anas. Thus, the documentary cannot provide any justification for an allegation of murder in the wildest imagination. Yet, the judge conveniently ignored this obvious fact, and the fact that Mr. Anas is not a suspect for murder and is not under investigation for murder. This case traveled through the hands of three judges, with Justice Barr being the latest assigned to the case at the express instance of Kennedy Japan. At the express instance of Kennedy Japan, throughout the trial, Mr. Japan displayed absolute disdain and disrespect of the court and the lawyers of Anas, but all attempts to cite him for contempt hit a dead end. We note that Mr. Japan attended court in the company of Mr. Kwesi Nyantechi, who has been banned for 15 years from all football-related activities. 
Tiger IPR and her CEO, Anas Arimio Anas, remain resolute in her fight against corruption in the Ghanaian society in service to God and country. And so that's a statement from Anas Arimio Anas's Tiger IPI. And they have not uh, said in any way in that statement that they'll be appealing. Uh, so so that, that possibly settles it, unless maybe there's a decision that has not been announced. C certainly. Um, yeah. If uh, having expressed their uh, disagreements uh, with the judge uh, legally, the next step perhaps for them may be to go for an appeal. Uh, we can only wait and see what, what they will say. But for now, this is what is coming in from Justice Eric Barr. Uh, who presided over this matter dismissing the 25 million CDs defamation suit against Kennedy or in Japan. Thank you so much, uh, Hansen Ajiman of the City Newsroom. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let me bring some of your messages before we take a quick break. Uh, this one from Kweku in La Paz says, Was Anas uh, thinking of winning the case against Kennedy Japan? Baba Chairman in Tamale says, um, Anas must understand that he cannot run away from his own shadow. What goes around comes around. Uh, Prince Henry Nkofurida says, when a, quote and unquote, this is a quote, he says, when a thief encourages you to go to court, it is because his brother is a judge. Anas versus Kennedy upon the future is pregnant. Zilis Duane in London says, this judgment can only happen in Ghana. R.I.P. Ahmed Swale. Obed from Hohe says, can one believe or trust Ghana's courts, uh, which um, can continue that. Mahama Bah Kojo from SUM says, I've always been saying that Anas is not a journalist. How can you personally give money to someone and turn around to accuse a person of being corrupt? Um, more tweets and messages are coming through. Do send yours to 0549-986-996. Eyewitness News returns shortly. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra, the national capital. Let's go to Ghana's second biggest city in Okomasi, uh, from where our bureau chief for the Middle Belt, Edward Opomafu, is joining us. And that's because there's a fire outbreak in one of the big markets in that part of the country. Edward, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What can you report? Thank you, Sandra. So, what can you report? Um, so, Sandra, as I speak to you now, the the Kumasi City Market, which is probably known as the new KGCM Market, is on fire. Uh, uh, fire officers are here and they are struggling to uh, control the situation. But as I speak to you, uh, they're still spreading to some other areas that shops within the market. And so um, at the moment, the first floor and the second floor are the parts that have been affected. Uh, the, some of the officers are um, on the first floor. Others two are just behind the building uh, with the fire of the fire service um, tenders uh, trying to find a way of controlling the situation. And so for here, a lot of people are here. And what we, uh, we've gathered so far is that as the fire started um, shortly after 4 p.m., and so traders upon noticing the fire had to run for uh, and run for their lives, and so they were running towards safety. Many of them had to just uh, move away from the scene, and so that was the situation over here. And uh, many of these traders are still standing by, hoping that the fire would not spread to, to their area. But others, whose areas have been affected, they are here. Uh, some are basically weeping, uh, some are just lamenting and hoping that a sense of damage will not really be as they envisage. So that's the situation. Many passers passerbys are also around 
um, basically observing what is going on. They have the national, the Ghana National Fire Service officials. We have the police officers who are around. We have um, officers from the National Disaster Management Organization. All these um, officers are putting resources together to find a way of controlling the situation. But like I indicated, it's still spreading, and the officers are finding a way of controlling it. I'm looking at the video you sent, the huge smoke bellowing out of that market. Uh, what kind of market is it? I mean, is it a market where you could have combustibles? Is it a wood market? Is it a normal uh, vegetable market? What kind of market is this market that is on fire now as we speak? Yeah, so send with the a new KGC market. It's basically a one-stop uh, one shop uh, where you can get almost everything that you want to buy. So there's a part where people buy various food stuff and actually get them. There's a part for cosmetics um, and there's almost a list of all, materials that you want to get. In all, there are about 7,000 shops, over 7,000 shops over here. And um, I appreciate we're unable to tell the number of shops that have been affected so far because uh, the fire is still raging and it's spreading to other areas. But basically, um, there are a lot of things going on over here. What happens in every normal shop you can find here at a new KGC market? Edward, this market has been in the news, hasn't it? Uh, you've been filing reports about complaints that the market uh, or the traders have. Isn't this, isn't this the same market? Yes, um, uh, the market has been in the news for a number of reasons. Um, uh, not long ago when it rained last week wednesday that is semi week today uh, when it rained this place got flooded and uh, the uh, traders here were counting their losses most of their works were destroyed at particular areas that got flooded and so it has been in the news for some time aside from that it rained where we experienced some of these flooding there, there's, there are also some areas here where uh, the five uh, the five that uh, uh, over here, at times they overflow and it actually causes uh, floods to other points. And so, not just rain, but it also causes floods uh, because it's to just overflow. That's not all. The issue of their electricity um, has also not been resolved. You see, the traders here are calling for um, individual meetings. They say that they want to have uh, individual meetings and for the over 7,000 shops here. And all these 7,200 shops are using one meter here, uh, and so uh, they have always been complaining about that. They have been using with office, uh, those from the ECG, and recently the Minister for Local Government, um, Dan Bottry, came around. He was also in a meeting with the Mayor of Mayor Kumasi Samofan, who is the board chair of this market. Um, they are saying that, well, they are still trying to engage the traders and that we're supposed to have a meeting to finalize issues with respect to the various concerns that have been raised. But that meeting, when it's done, um, has to be cancelled and a new date is supposed to be set. But as we speak, we, are, we, we have not been told of a new date yet. And so there are lots of issues that traders here have been raising. And the latest issue about this uh, fire outbreak is one that has got many people talking. It's getting late already. Um, do we have enough fire tenders? Are they able to access the market? Are there challenges accessing the market and so on, as we usually would see in, in market fires, or this is going as a smooth operation? Well, uh, with some of the Irish tenders that we spoke to earlier, they uh, were saying that the fire started as, as a small one, and they were hoping that it wouldn't have even uh, brought into this point, but 
uh, they realized that it had escalators in that um, the access route to the place itself and l looking at how to control the situation, they felt that the fire officers uh, were struggling to get to uh, where it really happened. And so controlling it uh, became a bit difficult. And so they realized that it had escalated um, at the point. But now as I speak to you, there are a number of fire tenders um, as where I am at the moment. I can count one, two, three fire tenders and there's um, a, a fourth one which is on its way here. And there are other fire officers who are running. They are using some kind of some stated um, equipment that are, they are using to control the situation. And so um, it looks like uh, when it comes to gadgets, now they have been able to find a way around it. And they are working towards um, ensuring that the fire that's not really get to other parts of the market. And so for now, um, what I can see from where I am at the moment, the first floor and the second floor are the uh, most affected areas. Very well. Keep an eye on that story. And please be safe as you, as you gather more information for our listeners. That's Edward Opomafo. He's a bureau chief for the middle belt uh, zone of the nation ghana this is eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm we are broadcasting from adabraka in accra uh, we do hope that they are safe tonight and uh, no person is hurt even though it appears that lots of goods would have already been lost this is eyewitness news interactive do join us 0549-986-996 eyewitness news be there as it happens Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. The Vice President, Dr. Mohamedou Baumia, has announced that consumers of petroleum products should expect a further decrease in the prices of fuel at the pumps as a result of the implementation of government's gold for oil policy. The national average price for petrol and diesel currently stands at 13 CDs. 53 pesos and 13 CD 69 pesos respectively. The gold for oil policy which was announced by the government to help reduce the pressure on the city and bring in cheaper fuel has so far seen about 100,000 metric tons of fuel brought into the country. Dr. Mohamed Ubamia was speaking at the commissioning of the new head office of the bulk oil storage and transportation company limited Bost in Accra. We have not only seen a decline in prices from the 23 cities per liter to around 12 cities per liter, we have also seen stability in the exchange rate as we predicted. And I must say, all tanks should go to the Ministry of Energy, to BOST, to MPA, to the Bank of Ghana, Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources, and the PMMC, who rose up to the occasion when we face this crisis of a rapidly depreciating currency along with rapidly increasing fuel, transportation and food prices. I am happy to, no to note uh, that I've been told that next week we are likely to see fuel prices fall again as a result of this policy. And next week uh, is not actually Professor has just said it's not that far, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow we will see the decline in prices that, that we expect. 
I mean, you, this is remarkable. It, two and a half months ago, you are at 23 cities per liter. Today, you are at uh, 12 cities and falling. That is a good point. He also reiterated government's efforts at addressing the dwindling foreign currency reserves, arguing that the policy is the most important macroeconomic policy intervention to deal with exchange rates issues. By so doing, we are able to get a hold of on this rampant increases in the price of fuel and also in the exchange rate. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to note that the goal for oil policy is the first policy of its kind in Ghana since independence to address this type of balance of payments crisis that we face. In my humble, opinion, uh, my humble opinion, this is the most important macroeconomic policy intervention to deal with the exchange rate depreciation fuel price, food price, and inflation nexus that we have had. Vice President Dr. Mohamedou Bamiya there. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in, at number 11, Dr. Mortin Loop in Adabaka. In a number of stories you are looking at here on the city newsroom. Fagat's Katia Market in Komasi. Uh, the pictures we have on citynewsroom.com and also on CDTV shows uh, black, thick smoke bellowing out of that market. Also, uh, dismissal of this defamation case against Kenya Japan, a travesty of justice, as Anas Arimi Anas responding to a decision of the court to dismiss his 25 million CD defamation suit against Asin central member of parliament and then the story just heard from endo good for oil policy to further reduce fuel prices in the coming days that's dr mamudu baumia let's test um, the statement made by the vice president now uh, through someone who served as a minister deputy for power the honorable john abdullah jim napo who is mp for yape so honorable you're welcome to eyewitness news thank you, thank you. when the things looked ugly uh, the government was roundly condemned now that things are looking good it's only fair that the government is celebrated. The government, through the vice president, as you've heard there, is saying that the good for oil policy has reduced or has led to the reduction in fuel prices, and we should expect more in the coming days. What's your projection looking like? First of all, I think the vice president is not being honest with the people of Ghana. If you look at December, crude oil price at the international market was around 97.92. As we speak, as at 14th March, it had dropped from the almost $100 per barrel. Now it is around $72 per barrel. And so if you have crude oil prices dropping from 100 to 72 you can't attribute that to your so-called gold for oil. Because that alone is about 40% drop in terms of price at the world market. I don't know where he's getting these figures from. If prices were rising at the international level and people were reducing the prices despite the rise in international crude price, then you could be claiming that kind of causality. But the fact that there's a correlation doesn't necessarily mean that it's your so-called gold for oil deal that is leading to this reduction. When the oil market price falls you know, internationally, it translates to the market here. 
So I, I completely disagree with him. So nothing is traceable to the good for oil policy, you see? They have to show us that impact analysis. The volumes, the figures and everything must tell so that we can attribute specifically what percentage of that. I also heard him say that he'll be saving some four point something billion. Once again, Vice President keeps surprising people. Because when you he that to before gold for oil, when the licensed gold exporters sell the gold, they buy the gold here in cities, sell in dollars, and bring that dollars to Bank of Ghana. And then Bank of Ghana uses that dollars to finance BDC. So if you stop them from exporting, it means that that dollars will no more come to Ghana. You are taking the dollars directly. And so to just take the gross figure and say that that is a savings, and that is what he has been doing, leading us into this ditch, I think that he should pull the brakes, let us do a proper analysis, rather than jumping the gun. I completely disagree with his analysis. It doesn't work. Let's look at another aspect of the economy that he believes they are fixing. Quotes from him. He says it's the most important macroeconomic policy intervention to deal with the exchange rate depreciation. So this is the good for oil and how it works with the CD depreciation, for instance. He says fuel price, food price issues that we have had. We have not only seen a decline in prices of fuel from 23 cities per liter to around 12 cities, but we have also seen stability in the exchange rate. Surely, if you're saying that he's not fixing the fuel pumps, at least he's fixing the forex bureaus, no? How has it fixed the forest barrels? Go and check. The CD went down as much as around 9 CD to the dollar. Even after your so-called goal for oil, it has risen from 9 CD to about 13. And you're still telling us that it's due to gold for oil. You check. Check the records. The CD went to around 9 CD. And was even getting to around 8. And yet you say that it's because of your goal for oil. He's always rushing to draw conclusions that is not backed by any data so for you is the global market uh, stability or reduction that has led to the reduction of the pumps and not the good for oil there's a question from tete in wager which he says i should ask you he says why did you attribute the rise of oil prices to the mismanagement of the executive when you knew that prices on the global market were high so if if at the time you with some education okay the rise in fuel prices here was one due to global market price rise. Nobody spoke about it. The second and most significant factor was because under the head of the economy management team, Dr. Baumia, the CD performed abysmally. So even if world market prices had not risen because of the mismanagement and the poor performance of the Ghanaian CD, the price of fuel would have still had to increase to buy for the same quantity and the same dollar because you would require more cities in order to buy that. I think you should take his time and learn a bit from this sector. We'll leave it here. But before we do, um, that brouhaha about a tanker carrying crew that was docked at um, our port, um, do you know what the status is? You, you had issue with it at the time that... It came to, to Ghana. Do you know if it has left or it has discharged its produce? My information is that they are still having some challenges. But I want to confirm that. I'm doing my checks with my men on the ground. And once I get full confirmation, uh, I will get back to you and give you the final 
impression. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's John Abdullah Jinapo. He's member of parliament, Ayapi Kuso, former deputy minister of power. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Eno, what else do you have for us? The NDC member of parliament for Aswasi in the Ashanti region, Mohamed Muntaka Mubarak, has sued 11 branch executives of his party in the constituency for defamation. The 11 persons are said to have published and circulated comments deemed libelous against the member of parliament. The Aswasi MP is demanding 10 million Ghana cities in damages against the defendants. The plaintiff is also praying for an order of the High Court to direct the defendants and other media houses that published the said defamatory material to retract and render an unqualified apology in a national newspaper. Some members of the NDC in the Aswasi constituency, led by the 11 branch executives, issued a press statement on March 10, 2023, which contained the alleged defamatory remarks. Counsel for the defendants declined comments on the development when City News contacted him but said, said he is working to defend his clients in court. Away from that, the Private Health Facilities Association is urging government to fairly distribute the childhood vaccines among various health centers, particularly to private institutions. Ghana took delivery of the first consignment of measles vaccines, BCG vaccines and oral polio vaccines on Saturday, March 11, as part of efforts to deal with the acute shortage that rocked the country since October 2022. Speaking to City News, the Vice President of the Association, Samuel Bwachedonko, says even though the vaccines are not enough, government should ensure they are distributed equitably. What is coming in now, uh, it will not be enough because more we have the information that more are on, on the way coming. So the little ones would have come, they would distribute it fairly so that at least every district will get some, then we can use it to work. And then the ones coming, when they come, they will, they, will, they will give it to us. So we know that as it is coming, we do not come in that bulk pitches for all of us to get. But as it is coming now, it will be coming bit, 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 bit. The little one that will come because it was sorted in the system. Now that is coming, government will distribute it fairly for anybody to get at least something to work with. And the rest will come, all of us will get it. That was the Vice President of the Private Health Facilities Association, Samuel Boache Donko. The West African Examination Council has warned senior high schools that are charging unapproved registration fees for the yet-to-be-conducted 2023 West African Senior School Certificate Examination to desist. The council says it has taken note of some schools that are promising better grades at exorbitant fees. The 2023 WASI will be conducted between 31st July and 21st September for eligible candidates. Addressing the press, the head of public affairs at WAYEC, Agnes Tegkujo, says the council has noted some schools charging more than the 381 Ghana cities. Of some of these schools who are charging between 1,200 Ghana cities and 6,750 Ghana cities are Holy Star Senior High Technical School in Abesim, Gateway Senior Martin Luther SHS Kintampo. And on their banner, we have noted that they have advertised no risk of results cancellation, 100% support by teaching staff, 100% was results assured. So these are some of the advertisements that we have come across that we want to put out to members of the public. We wish to inform our public that approved wire registration fee 
for entry in seven or eight subjects is 381 Ghana cities, 24 pesos. This figure is exclusive of the fees for practical or oral tests, which range between 14 cities, 50 pesos, and 19 cities, 50 pesos per practical test. So you can see that if the council is charging 381 cities, 24 pesos for entry in seven or eight subjects, and you have a school charging as much as 6,750 cities, then we all know what their intentions are. That was the head of public affairs at Boyek, Agnes Teikuju. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obodu. Let's settle for the details now. Inflation has dropped marginally to 52.8% for February 2023. This represents a 1.9 percentage point decrease over the 53.6% recorded in January 2023. This was captured in the Consumer Price Index data released by the Ghana Statistical Service earlier today. Per the data, food inflation also stood at 59.1% and non-food inflation at 47.9%. Here is the government statistician, Professor Samokobna Enim, highlighting the impact of the main drivers on the increase in the overall inflation rate for February 2023. Highlights of February 2023. In January 2023, rate of inflation stood at 53.6% relative to 52.8% for the month of February 2023. From this perspective, we have sustained the reversal in the upward trend in inflation that we recorded in greater parts of 2021 and 2022. From a regional perspective, for the first time, we are seeing Western North recording the highest rate of inflation of 63.6% and also for the first time seeing Western North recording the highest food inflation of 77.3%. The region that recorded the least rate of inflation was the Volta region which, which recorded a rate of inflation of 35.4%. Given these two rates of inflation between Western North and Volta region, the difference is about 1.8 times the region with the highest rate of inflation relative to the region with the least rate of inflation. That was the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobna Enin. Now, the Vice President, Dr. Mohamed Balmia, has reiterated government's efforts at addressing the dwindling foreign currency reserves with the gold for oil policy. According to him, the policy is the most important macroeconomic policy intervention to deal with exchange rate issues. Dr. Baumia disclosed this at the commissioning of the new head office of the Bulk Oil Storage and Transportation Company Limited, Bost, in Accra. By so doing, we are able to get a hold of on this rampant increases in the price of fuel and also in the exchange rate. Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to note that the goal for oil policy is the first policy of its kind in Ghana since independence to address this type of balance of payments crisis that we face. In my humble, opini uh, my humble opinion, this is the most important macroeconomic policy intervention 
to deal with the exchange rate depreciation, fuel price, food price, and inflation nexus that we have had. Vice President Dr. Mahamadou Baumia. The president of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, Dr. Joseph Obing, is calling on government to ease the tax burden on businesses in the country to allow them thrive. Dr. Obing says although the government led uh, although the Kufuado led government reduced some of the taxes imposed on the business community when it took over office, it has since introduced more taxes, including the COVID-19 levy, which continues to be a major nuisance to the business community, according to him. Speaking to City Business News, Dr. Obing said it is necessary for government to withdraw some of the burdensome taxes to enable local business flourish. What we are saying is that um, all that businesses seek is a good environment for trading. And that if we get it through any particular government, we will give praise where it is due. And that's why we praise the government um, uh, uh, during uh, 2017 when they remove all nuisance taxes. Uh, we praise the government because we were happy and enthused about that effort because it was destructive of business. And now that um, the uh, news, uh, most the nuisance taxes are being uh, is creeping back in force, then of course businesses are troubled again, and uh, uh, especially in the areas of VAT, where we have to make a, a better reform in that tax system and other taxes that have been introduced, and the fact that after claiming your goods, we are um, you are being policed even to your. Um, um, destination, um, your warehouse destination um, does not augur well for trading activities and that after going through that strenuous efforts to clear your goods, um, you should be allowed to transport your goods. President of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, Dr. Joseph Obeng, away from that, the Center for Public Interest Law is urging the National Labor Commission to fulfill its mandate of safeguarding the rights of private sector employees. Augustine Niba Esquire, the executive director of the center, expressed concerns that the commission appears to be concentrating solely on resolving labor-related matters in the public sector, neglecting its broader responsibilities. In an interview with City Business News during a human rights and legal protection protocol event for partners and employees in Ghana, Mr. Niber highlighted the need for the commission to prioritize private sector employee rights protection. You would always say go to court, but uh, you know what it means to also go to court. There are also challenges there, and uh, but I think uh, the major challenge is to get, uh, or maybe the major solution is to get uh, workers to understand that they have some rights that they need to ventilate and let uh, uh, companies and employers also understand that a satisfied uh, worker is uh, a tool that can give you a lot of what you really want as an employee uh, employer and so you should allow uh, employees to realize their rights within the, the framework of the law and also I will urge that uh, the Labour Commission be up in doing with its enforcement of the law in the context of what? Ensuring that uh, employers actually respect the rights of uh, uh, employees and uh, not just see themselves as uh, uh, an entity that is required to somehow stop strike actions that are being taken by uh, employees, particularly unions within the employment sector.
That was the executive director of the Center for Public Interest Law, Augustine Nibber Esquire. Now, as a strategic plan to move the sale and distribution of one of the luxurious automobiles in the country to a new level, CFAO has officially opened a new Mercedes-Benz showroom at the airport bypass road. This refurbished branch, branch, according to the general manager in charge of sales and marketing at CFAO, Sebastian Duchateau, will offer clients and potential patrons an outstanding customer service. In an interaction with the media on the sidelines of the official opening of the showroom, Mr. Duchateau urged assured customers of quality service after sales. I think what we wanted is to create a new experience for the Organian customers. And uh, this is why we decided to, to do a showroom that is really in line with, uh, with all the standards the, that uh, Mercedes-Benz has uh, across the world. Uh, so we wanted people in Ghana, when they come here to buy a Mercedes, that they have a brand new experience. It's uh, the same type of experience that they will have if they walked into a showroom in Dubai or in Abu Dhabi, uh, to have the same level of service and the same level of, uh, of comfort, let's say. So, so for us, it was key. It is definitely a milestone for, for CFA Ghana to, to start distributing uh, Mercedes, uh, Mercedes-Benz. It is, uh, of course, a world-renewed brand. And, uh, and yeah, so it was key for us, for, the, for our customers to experience uh, this uh, top-level uh, quality. Uh, so in terms of after-sales, of course, uh, so so with CFAO, I think after-sales is is our, is our key battle. Uh, definitely, this is where we put the most of the focus. Uh, for Mercedes-Benz, it will be the same. Uh, as we are now the sole official dealer, uh, we'll be the, the only one to be able to pair the, the Mercedes here. We are the only ones with the with the diagnostic tool and uh, if you want people want to make sure that the mercedes are maintained and repaired according to the manufacturer's guidelines this is the place to come that was the general manager in charge of sales and marketing at cfao sebastian Duchateau. and that's all for city business news on eyewitness news it was powered by your most comprehensive business news website citybusinessnews.com my name is michael obodu thank you for listening as always please stay safe up next is point blank eyewitness news be there as it happens
this is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Omar Rusanda Amade. Tonight on Point Blank... On Point Blank tonight, we are looking at um, two issues. One, individual bondholders. We are told they've been uh, paid. Or at least some monies have been paid. Now, when the um, individual bondholders had challenges with government, or when the government tried to do the debt restructuring program, some key leaders emerged who led the Ghanaian citizenry against the project by the government or the program by the government. One of them is Senyo Hosi. And even after the expiration of the deadline, the new information that emerged was that people whose bonds had matured were not paid. So that is a new issue. So Senyo Hosi has joined us on the line. Senyo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Apologies, we lost uh, Senyo Hosi there. So the Coalition of Individual Bondholders groups issued a statement on government commencing payment on outstanding bonds. Uh, Senor, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Oh, uh, thank you, Umaro. Congratulations on the on the on the good job um, you've been doing and the award yesterday to having been recognised for that project you put up at the East Hospital for us as a nation. Uh, thank you. God bless you. Let's go to the other issue that God has to bless you for. It is that. You have fought and people's monies are coming. Tell us more. Yes, uh, Omar, I'm sure you, you listeners and yourself have followed this. And I must commend CTFM for the keen interest you've had and the support and advocacy, giving us the audience to really make our case. Yesterday, the Ministry of Finance uh, responded to our engagements and also to our release as well and advice and share the information that it had made payments for uh, funds that had maturities and coupons due on the 6th and the 13th of February. We crossed up with the CSD. That was confirmed. And subsequently, we also caught members from our technical committee running treasuries at the banks also confirming receipt of the funds. So the funds have been received and they are supposed to be credited to the accounts of the, of the customers. Some, I believe, um, may have received it yet, and for some other banks have indicated that there are some reconciliations uh, ongoing to ensure uh, that appropriate accounts are credited because there's been quite some administrative shift following the DDE program. And that's the good news we've had. Our challenge, nonetheless, has been the fact that while this is great, um, government's management of information has been suboptimal. And we trust that the Ministry of Finance can and should be doing much, much better. The payments outstanding now are about three different maturities and coupon payments 
that are still yet to be paid. The communication received yesterday made no indication of when exactly. It at least acknowledged that the indicator in in due course or some they used soon one of one one of those uh, indefinite words that were 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 used. That does not occur well for confidence in the financial sector. There's always a need for predictability. Our view is that if you can't even tell exactly where, you should let us know that by this day, you would have to. Apologies, we lost Senyo Hosi there again. Uh, he's speaking for the Individual Bondholders Forum. We'll try to re-establish contact with him for the continuation of the conversation. So we've got uh, Senor Z back. Senor, I'm looking at the, the statement you issued, and I think the last but, but one paragraph is the paragraph that you're actually on, which has to do with the uh, communication management. Please share more with us uh, on that. Yeah, in the financial sector, um, information transparency and timeliness is very critical because it defines and shapes confidence in the market. Unfortunately, government hasn't managed it well as far as this issue is concerned. And I think that all the handlers at the ministry are aware and would accept that. That shouldn't be uh, in contest because everyone there is a, is a big-time professional in these matters. We had maturities due. What government should have done was to advise exactly when. We had to go there and engage before we actually got a formal date out. That in itself was suboptimal. That's not what we should be doing to nurture a very responsible financial sector environment. We didn't do that. We set the date. We couldn't meet the date. We didn't share advanced information that we'll miss this day by a day or two or three. That is again required per the rules that govern the financial sector, both in the Securities Industry Act and the regulations from SEC, as well as the Ghana Stock Exchange fixed income market. So remember, our bonds are traded on the Ghana Stock Exchange fixed income market. So we call it a given. That's where it sits. So it sits to the stock exchange. All these rules were breached. We had our release yesterday, and there's no need for us to have unnecessary strife between citizens and the government over things that we all know we have to do. We can't continue to run down confidence and trust between citizens and a government. That does not go well for the growth of any financial sector or any government. So I, I'm at a loss why, why, why government seems to be scoring its own goals just against the, the, the a sustainable environment for all of us. They failed to do that. In this instance, we have clearly heard and that they've clearly advised that payments have been made, and we are confirming that, and that is welcome news. But you still have three different payments that are still yet to be paid, and they are past due. So what you should be doing is also indicating when you'll be making payments for that. If you do not have adequate visibility, what you should be doing on the communication side is say, over the next three or four days, over the next seven days, we will come up with a payment schedule. And you may even come up with a payment schedule. And when you think there's a slight shift, you always have to give advanced information. That's the responsible and proper thing to do, to engender confidence in the market. Unfortunately, while all this is known, there are regulators, the Security and Exchange Commission, and the Stock 
the Ghana Stock Exchange, run by very professional, competent people, as far as these matters are concerned. Then they sit aloof while all these things are being breached. And when government is breaching or any issue of that sector is breaching and nothing is being done, nobody is calling anybody to order, you crush confidence in your financial market. You crush confidence. It means that your regulators are not susceptible to the rules that they set themselves or they, are not, they, they, they don't enforce the rules that they set themselves. And they particularly look at your face before you act. And that's why we are calling on the stock exchange and the SEC commission to please rise above partisan politics. SEC is not an appendix, it's not an extension of the Ministry of Finance. Ghana Stock Exchange is not an Ministry of Finance. It's not an extension of any other issuer. They are independent regulators. And when we don't develop the independence and the professionalism of our regula- regulatory bodies, we will destroy our institutions of state that are supposed to propel us toward the, toward the development that we require. Because now everybody realizes that you are a regulator just in speak. You are just waiting for a single call. And that is not responsible enough for very good professionals we currently have in all these institutions. So we really expect that going forward, Ministry of Finance, to do the right thing, communicate well in, uh, and clearly well in advance to the market. The Security Exchange Commission to exercise their responsibility to protect and enforce the rules of investors. Also engage and enforce those rules. If government is not doing it right, call the ministry to order. If it's the customers who need to be engaged, make sure you do so. The stock is paid. You have clear rules. You notify them formally and professionally. But that is not being done. And if this continues, honestly, the leadership in both institutions are not worth holding their positions. And they should just leave the seat if they can't do their job. We pay them with our taxes. We pay them with their fees and charges. That's supposed to regulate and manage a responsible financial and securities market and industry. And if they're not up to it, they don't have the confidence, the courage, and the mandate reposed in them, not by politics, but reposed in them by our constitution, by our laws. Then they have no business sitting there, and they have no business operating in any industry. So we are watching them. As the Ministry of Finance faces and manages its own challenges, we expect regulations to really keep everything uptight to mm. sustain a financial market. And not as far as Umaru, our children will need to come and grow in this financial market. If we, we crash the financial market and international investors don't have confidence in it because the words of its operators and regulators are not worth the bond which is supposed to be, then what's the point? What is the point? How would funds flow into our country to help develop our country? How will people be able to trust that when things go wrong, things will be done right? It is like crashing the judicial system. That the judicial system there becomes susceptible to partisan politics. Then you must well not have one. You know, so these are very key institutions of state who are failing and have failed so far, but there's room for recovery and for them to correct their deeds to protect and rebuild confidence in our financial market. And we hope that will be done. Why do you have to really talk about this publicly, though? Is it not someone's private business with a private bank? Uh, should that not be the level that this is discussed at? Why does it have to be public not information? Not issues of regulations are not private. Issues mm-hmm. of regulations are no. not private. Okay. So uh, go to any, any major announcement by anybody who is listed, all these, these insecurities are listed publicly. They are publicly listed debt instruments or securities. They are not a private debt. Umar, when you borrow money from me, I don't have any business going to announce anywhere. Or I borrow money from you, I have no business going to announce anywhere. But when I issue debt and I go and list it in the public market, 
then I have to follow the rules of that market. Meaning every single thing that happens that has an effect on the quality of my credit on that market has to be made public to all investors at the same time. Very well. That's why you have issues like insider trading. People go to jail for it. And because some people get information, act on it ahead of the market. Those things are wrong. You know, so these rules are set. When you have a publicly listed debt, you have to make your information always public. If it's private debt, there's no business with anybody in the public. All government instruments are listed on the Ghana fixed income market, which is a public market space. So everybody is interested. As a matter of fact, government may know who buy, takes the debt on day one. It doesn't know who will be holding the debt on day two, day three, day four, because it's a public instrument. That's how our markets are structured. So you must always tell the whole public, you never know who is going in and who is going out tomorrow. And that is part of the responsibilities conferred on issuers of, of, of bonds within the Ghana Stock Exchange regulations, as well as the Security and Exchange Commission Commission's regulations and, and also the Securities Industry Act. These are known. Let's do things right. Let's put Ghana properly. Thank you so much uh, for your time, Senor. Pleasure, man, any day. That's senor. Thank you so much. That's Senor Jose. He's. Um... Yes. I, I, with your permission, a little comment here. In building this hospital, we had 536 men who went out there gallantly to really serve this country. Every single one who was missing in that number, we dedicate our, 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 our awards to. God bless you all. God bless you and God bless Ghana. Thank you, Dasenio Hosi. Um, he um, involved in so many things, but for this discussion tonight, he was speaking on behalf of individual bondholders. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Let me shift attention to another issue that has been making the headlines. In fact, the NDC has just sent an invitation to a press conference tomorrow. Okay, this is under the Third Force Alliance, not the NDC, NDC necessarily. And it says... A press conference theme parliament must reject the new CI. Well, so, parliament, and this is happening tomorrow, there's a CI that has to be laid before parliament uh, to govern uh, some elections that will be happening later in the year. There have been discussions prior to the laying of the CI. We have been told a lot of uh, members of the NDC side, especially, have issue with this particular CI. Let's hear from the MPP side. Evans Nimaku is director of elections and research of the governing New Patriotic Party. Mr. Nimaku, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you for having me. What is, you are doing. I'm doing well. What's the official position of the NPP on the CI that the EC intends to lay in the House? Well, th thank you very much. I think for, for, for us as New Patriotic Party, we've been part uh, of a number of discussions at the uh, IPAC, and uh, we have concluded with the EC that... Uh, it is important that going forward into the implementation of the continuous registration as it exists in the CI-91, uh, Regulation 9-1, it is important that we do away with all issues concerning uh, minors getting onto the electoral role, non-citizen and all that. And the best way to go is to work within the legal framework and here, I want to place emphasis on the LI-2111, uh, which has to do with the National Identity Register. And uh, so out of the CI-1, C, uh, the uh, Act 750 of the National ID came the 
LI2111, which was gazetted and came into force in 2012 by NDC. And so in, 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 if you're looking at the LI2111, it's specific that in every transaction that has to do with identification of a person in assessing transactions, including registration of voters, the NIA card shall be used. And so, my brother, all discussions we've had at IPAC has to do with the issue of implementation of the continuous registration. And so the previous register we've had for the 2020 election is intact. But our brothers and sisters who will be turning 18, and for some people who could not register for one or the other, we will not have to use the NIA. We've witnessed here in this country, anytime there's registration process, that has to do with people getting their, their names onto the electoral roll, issue of challenges concerning minors and non-citizens have been raised. And anytime we are done with these registrations, we've had to do challenges review at the district level and at the national level. My brother, when we finish the 2020 election, political parties and the EC met at Alisa Hotel to do a review of the election 2020. And it included all processes. And one issue that we flagged was the use of the NIA card to take away all the challenges that confront registration. I really have difficulty as to why people at this stage will still want the EC to follow the same procedure, the same rule that have been giving us troubles. And in the light of the LI-2111, why people still must be saying that the EC must be introducing the guarantor system in the continuous registration. My brother, it beats my imagination. And, and, so, and so for us as New Patriotic Party, we are setting in our minds that we've come a long way in our democratic process and making sure that we have an arrangement that will sanitize the system and take away the unnecessary confusion. I, mean, I, mean, I, think, I think the vex issue, perhaps, is the one of uh, that has to do with the guarantor system. Considering all what we know about our national identity cards, our registration systems, and so on, it appears that we have no choice than to guarantee for each other because of our literacy rate and so on. You do not agree as a party. You want all those people who, through no fault of theirs, have no national ID card to be disenfranchised for a party that had an offshoot that was called let my vote count clearly you shouldn't support that should you no you see i think we, we should get it right the nia card if you want to have it looking at the at 750 it is clear that you either come with your baptismal certificate you either come with your passport you either come with your driver's license, you either come with your voter ID card. And if you don't have any of this, your relative, relative of yours, will have to guarantee for you. And even beyond that, the relative must work before a commissioner for oath to authenticate 
the guarantorship. And when the legal framework has provided the avenue, why do we say we have to depart from it? Okay, so if the basis for obtaining the current Ghana card is through a guarantor system, then what is wrong? Yes, I'm just saying that, yes. Then why is it a problem using the guarantor system to obtain a voter's card? It's the same thing, isn't it? Because if you don't trust the guarantor system, you wouldn't have deployed it for the obtaining opt, for obtaining a Ghana card, which is our biggest national security card. Okay, so fine. But what is key there is that the LI 2111 is explicit that in transactions of such nature, it is the Ghana card that will be used. And this LI 2111 was passed by the NDC in 2012. So when they were passing that airline, what was the intent? And I think we must get it, my brother. What is it that we stand to lose? That let's make sure that all Ghanaians above six years get their NI card. You have it. If you are of age, 18 years, and you want your name to be on the electoral roll, go with your Ghana card, and EC will get you registered. What is the problem with this? Well, how are you going to how are you going to you know go through this successfully in Parliament, considering that the consultation stage has ended in a deadlock? The CI has not been laid. How are you sh- guaranteed that when it comes to it, this would even get laid in the first place for it to become law in Parliament? I think that our 1982 constitution is clear when you look at Article 11.7 that when a CR is laid, it will take two-thirds of members of parliament to reject it. And so all that parliament will have to do is to lay it. And if any of them disagree, let them master the two-thirds percent, uh, uh, majority of their members to reject it. And then it gets rejected. And so then, we have discussed extensively at IPAC. And this discussion started in 2021. And you will see from the minutes of IPAC, and I'm saying that even though our colleagues in NDC have elected themselves not to participate in IPAC after the 2020 election, every communication from IPAC, they get copied because they are on the mailing list of the EC. All parties get email of state correspondence from the EC. And, and so that is about it. And I'm saying that, my brother, what is the difficulty that go and get your NIA? And it's not that the over 17 million people in the 2020 register are going to get registered again. That register but is... But you see, you, you keep mentioning go and get your NIA card. That that seems to be very difficult. Um, People have genuine reasons why they don't have the Ghana card. And if you disenfranchise them because they don't have a card which they have no way of printing for themselves, then that's problematic. My brother, let's go for best practices. Do you want to have a situation where we open continuous register? People are guaranteeing unlawfully for minors. And that is all being a serious thing. Why don't you depart from it? More so when the airline 2111 is in operation, you want to leave it. Yeah. That's what we are telling us. 
Let's leave it. I don't think that's the way to go. Let, let's leave it for you. I'm sure I, the debate. I, 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 I want to plead with, with our colleagues, the NDC. I mean, let's be practical with all this. Anytime there's registration, this challenge of minors trying to get onto the electoral roll has been the issue. Why don't we move away from it? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, that's Evans Nimapo. He's Director of Elections and Research with the New Patriotic Party. That would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umar Rusanda Hamadu. Production by Beverly London, um, Kobna Wilson, Sami Wiafi, Fred Tete Jabano. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. The new media support from Edwin Kwakofi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.